0: Hey everyone, lots going on here today. First of all, you're getting episode 182 of the Juice Box Podcast, which is called, hmm, More Good with Melinda. That's what I'm gonna call it, More Good with Melinda. In the beginning of this episode, Melinda and I are going to talk about Izzy Meehan. Do you remember back in episode 149 when Izzy had a car accident and we asked if you could send just love and support to her hospital room, which by the way, you guys did over and over again. She got hundreds upon hundreds of messages, so I I can never thank you enough for that. But here's the thing. This was recorded back then. This episode here, the one you're listening to right now. Is this convoluted? Just hold on. It'll make sense in a second. So the first couple of minutes are me talking about Izzy and her accident. Now the good news is, it's August now, and Izzy's doing much, much better. I just wanted to make sure you knew that up front. Also, in November, I'm giving the Type One Nation keynote speech, In Izzy's hometown. So I'm actually going to get to meet her in person. Also, 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 Izzy's coming on the podcast really soon. To talk all about what happened to her. So that's a lot. But I just wanted to make sure you knew that before you listened to it. Because it's a sad story. But, you know, it's going very well for Izzy. Especially considering the circumstances. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Yesterday was August 27th, 2018. Arden had her endocrinologist appointment where we got her A1C back. This one was kind of special for two reasons. One, Arden has been in full on lady time now for you know about six months. So you know, with maturity and all those hormones, everyone tells you, "What? Oh, your A1C? There's nothing you can do. It's going to go up. You oh, just give up now, right?" There's that. Plus, we've been using the new Dexcom G6, and everybody wants to know. You remember back in the episode I did where I did the review and people? said, you know, well, what do you think of the G6? And I said, in the end, we have to wait for Arden's A1C to come back to see if what I'm seeing on the glucose monitor is matching up with the results we're getting. Well, now we have all those answers. So today, interwound in this episode, I'm going to tell you the story of how we accomplished whatever Arden's A1C is. You'll find out later, but you're going to have to listen to the ads to find out because Dexcom and Omnipod are a huge part of how we accomplished this. Okay, you guys ready? Here comes Melinda.
1: My name is Melinda Potberg, and I am a wife to an over-the-road truck driver. I'm a mom of two kids, ages 11 and 9, that both also have their own set of medical issues. Um, I'm a professional IT analyst, and I'm a type 1 diabetic. Um, I've been a diabetic for 32 years, since the age of 10. And I'm just living life in this super crazy circus of life.
0: Wow, 32 years?
1: Yeah, wow, that's
0: a long time. So you go it back, is. you go back a couple of generations of insulin technology.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that was the main reason why I wanted just to reach out to you is because I see a lot of I'm I just started this whole social media community, mm-hmm. um, which has been really, really helpful for me um, within the last few years on Facebook and reaching out to other diabetics. And so I see a lot of newly diagnosed diabetics out there that it's overwhelming like the whole rigmarole behind this disease is so different than any other disease out there that I see a lot of frustration and everybody goes through it but I just wanted to reach out and let everybody know like the hope that I feel after seeing all of the progress and where we started compared with where we are now I've never been more hopeful in my life that this is not something that's going to end in the thing that we all worry is going to happen, you know, that there's complications or death or, you know, lord only knows what else.
0: And your perspective is is different at that at that range. It's the range of time that gives you the uh you sort of like the you know, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and, you know, hopefully future. Absolutely. <laughs> you really get to see like I don't have perspective past 10 years. And to prove it, you know, a couple of weeks months after Arden was diagnosed back in 2006, you know, it was the first, uh, first time I saw somebody be like, Hey, I cured diabetes in mice. And I thought, I actually thought how lucky is Arden to have just gotten diabetes right when they're about to cure it.
1: Right. I think we all have gone through that. I mean, I I was told that from the technology behind being able to read your blood glucose without poking your finger Mm. Um, my doctor told me about that the first year I was diagnosed, oh, she won't have to poke her finger past, you know, another year and this technology is going to be available and it never came and it never came and it never came. And now look at me. I've got computers that at the touch of a button on my smartphone, I can look and see what my blood sugar is. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing to me what technology can do.
0: Yeah. I just glanced up at my screen and saw that Arden's blood sugar is 94 and stable.
1: Hey, we're almost twinsies. I'm at 101.
0: Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) <laughs> i'm in a weird position today because i'm feeling very strange um a, a listener of the podcast just contacted me yesterday which i guess for context i never usually give the dates but maybe for context i showed today's february 8th because this won't go out you know very soon um and she she contacted me to let me know that that she'd been listening to the podcast since its inception and that it was just incredibly, I wish I had the word, she said it's been her like, greatest tool with diabetes with her daughter, who's been diagnosed, I think, for about four years uh, and is 17 years old. But her daughter experienced a low blood sugar while she was driving and and crashed her car rather severely.
1: I I think I saw a post about this and it's tragic and I wanted to give more information just from my own perspective. It's heartbreaking. I don't know how the girl's doing, but I saw the same thing not too long ago Um, when I was expecting my second child My first was two and a half years old. And ironically, I was rushing to get him to the lab to have blood drawn to test and make sure that he wasn't diabetic himself. We were having a lot of overnight accidents, two and a half year olds, that tends to happen. But I was rushing to get him um, checked out for that and rushing out the door at the time I was MDI. And I think what happened, the only thing in retrospect that I can figure out is I swapped the two bottles. Um... And took my dose for my long-acting insulin with short-acting insulin. Uh, Pulled out and five miles later found myself with a cop knocking on my window and the right side of my car just completely scraped. A wing and a prayer that I didn't go over an overpass or hit another car, um, that my two-year-old wasn't injured. Horrible guilt for that. Um, Stuff like that happens and it's terrifying.
0: Yeah, I have to say that, so I... I um so the girl's name is Isabel Meehan and I was speaking mm-hmm. to her I was speaking to her mom and it was just it was crazy that she started the conversation by saying like that just how proud she was of her daughter and how well she was taking care of herself and and how responsible and respectable she was with her diabetes and everything and, and that, you know, the stuff we talk about here was translating to such a wonderful situation for her. And she's, you know, what she told me was the way that the the girl you know, had her accident, it, it had nothing to do with, you know, being bold with insulin or anything like that. It just, it just was one of those random things. Her blood sugar was stable. She thought it was right. She had experienced a, a high earlier. She pushed down, she caught it. She thought it was stable and she got in the car to make a 10 minute drive home from school. And in that time she just plummeted and, right. and it happened too fast for the technology to kick in or, you know, or for her to feel it enough to, to do something in that moment. And as we're talking, I mean, this woman is devastated as she she rightly should be. Her daughter has multiple fractures in her neck and her spine. She broke her hand and her wrist. She broke teeth. She's she's really devastatingly injured. And they weren't certain. And actually, they did not feel confident that she'd lived through the night after the accident. But now a week later, she's making this incredible progress. The mom actually reached out. Because she was looking for support, she was just she was just hoping people would pray for her daughter, keep her in their hearts, send messages to the hospital, but she was still very confident that how they were managing was was the right way, you know, for them. And I don't know, it just it really struck me that we that I that we talk on the podcast in the abstract so much, and I'm sorry we're talking about this when we're supposed to no, talk about good other stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, we talk about it in the abstract, and I always say the same thing, like. If it's my time, it's my time. If it's my daughter's time, it's her time. But I'm not going to let her live her whole life with 200, 250 blood sugars because that makes me feel safe because all it's doing is kicking the health can down the road. And as I say those things, I recognize that someone is going to get a low blood sugar, and this poor girl, you know, if this blow comes fifteen minutes earlier, she's standing in her high school and she drops over. they call nine one one and she's fine. You, mm-hmm. you know, but instead, just randomly she's in her car. and I was very impressed with her mother just still saying i i I still wouldn't trade her health later for now while we were talking, even in the middle of this sort of devastation, and it it really helped me feel confident because because it is one of those things, right? Like we all say like, oh, well, one day if I have a kid and something happens, like I'd step in front of a bullet, I'd I'd push them out of the way and get hit by a bus. And we say those things, not really expecting that they're ever going to happen. And And when we make the point that, you know, somebody is going to have an issue around their type 1 diabetes, you know, you have to admit, you never really think it's going to be you. You just think there's this mass of people, these millions of people who have type one, some of us aren't going to be as lucky as others, but it probably won't be me. And
1: Absolutely. It, yeah. You and know. you just have to not keep that from, from scaring you. Um, you know, like I said, I've got perspective. I don't know how my mom handled it now that I'm a parent of my own. My mother is a saint. So like I have no idea how she went through what she went through with me. And was able to give me the life experience of you, you've got to do it for you. She can't make me do it. And, and I think with, with your case and dealing with Arden, there's going to be days where she's probably going to rebel and not want a diabetic anymore, (laughs) you know, that's going to happen. That's in your future and, and giving her the skills to know, you know, the boundaries of, of how far she can push it and life is going to kick you down. Stuff's going to happen. Just having those, those boundaries in place, having those, um, those things in place. I've got my Dexcom for a reason. Um, you know, I mentioned my husband's an over-the-road truck driver. That is very much because I don't want my kids to wake up someday and find mom dead. Yeah, and kidding. that was a real possibility. That's the reason why I got it. Um, you know, I've got those things in place at work. Everybody knows. And if I'm acting strange someday or burst out crying for no apparent reason, I want people to know. And I've not always been that that confident in reaching out to other people. I'm a strong person. I can do it on my own. But when it comes to this disease, stuff happens. It really does. And and it's going to happen. And you've got to have some sort of measures in place to protect you from that. So
0: No, it's – well, I brought it up because – Because we can't, as devastating and horrifying, and I'm heartbroken because I actually spoke with Haley, you know, I I got to speak with Isabel's mom and to hear the real, like, truth in her voice, like, it's not just in the abstract wondering about what it's like for your kid to have a a tragic car accident. Like, I was hearing it from her firsthand for the first time in my life. But I still have to say that we can't, we, people who live with diabetes, you you really cannot let the randomness that happened to this poor girl affect the decisions that you're making moving forward. Um, Absolutely. It just it just it would be a devastating mistake to to just err on the side of caution because all it's going to happen is you're try you know we're going to go from one person from five people having a random tragedy to everyone having a tragedy later in their life. And you know it just it sucks that that that's the that's the the call you have to make, but I still, I'm going to make that call for Arden. I still, I think
1: think the the, the only way that it makes sense in my brain and, and your podcast has really helped with this along with the diabetic community out there on Facebook that I'm a member of now, um, has really helped me see that, that it's easy to not control your diabetes. It's much easier not to control it than it is to control it. Mm -hmm. Because when your when your level is sitting at two to 300 as a normal range and all of a sudden you got an exercise or life kicks you in the face somehow and you dip down 50 to 100 points, you're still on a safe range. It's much easier to run high and even doctors will tell you that. My doctor has been um, commented a few times on the fact that I'm having more lows than I normally have had mm-hmm. to the point that I'm not feeling them anymore. But when you're standing on the edge of a cliff, Any slight bit of breeze can just push you over the edge. It is so much harder to be in control than it is not to. But that's not to say that it's not worth it.
0: Have you seen the adorable pictures that Dancing for Diabetes just posted on their Instagram page? Hmm? Have you? If you haven't, go to DancingForDiabetes.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, click on the Instagram link. That's Dancing, the number four, Diabetes.com.
1: It's harder to be in control than it is not to. But that's not to say that it's not worth it.
0: I have a feeling and I'm always need to preface by saying that I'm taking care of a person with diabetes, so I'm not trying to live my life and do it. I always imagine I'd be terrible as a diabetic, like just you know, because I don't care about myself the way I care about my kids, which absolutely probably is not right, but but nevertheless. Um, but so from a person who's managing someone else. I don't see a difference between any of the blood sugars like I think if you can stay stable at one You can stay stable at the other, but there's it there's more to it than that it, it, that stability comes from <clears throat> Doing a thousand things to create that stability and that's where it's difficult like you still have to pre bolus correctly you still have to you know blah 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 blah. there's all these things you have to do to to stop a spike from happening if you stop your spike from happening then you probably stop a low later and um you know i just somebody said recently and i've been saying it a lot lately but highs cause lows and isabel's isabel situation is, is is an example of that she wasn't able, her mom tells me she wasn't able to pre bolus the way she wanted to at school. So her blood sugar shot up, she corrected it. And then she started to fall really fast. She stopped, she thought she had stopped it properly and probably did. Um, But then it, it kicked back in again and it started to go down again. And that's, that's sort of what I mean by it's, it's not, I don't think it's harder at any level. I think that it's, it takes more steps. Like anybody can sit at 250 because like you said, if you fall 50 points, you're still just, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, when like I'm looking at Arden's blood sugar right now, it's now it's 88. So while you were talking just before I texted her and I said, Hey, turn your basil off for a half hour. And she said, okay. And that was it. And that is a step. You know what I mean? Like yep. you know, she's not going to alarm at 88. She would never have thought to do that on her own. Had I not looked up in salt, I wouldn't have thought of it. Uh, and to be honest, if I wasn't talking to you, I wouldn't be looking at her blood sugar. So, you know, there are extra steps. But I hear what you're saying. Like it's the – when you're that close, any little thing turns into more of a panicky situation. And that's right. a, difficult, a difficult way to live, especially – and I have no perspective from your angle, like what it's like to be an adult um, – yeah taking care of yourself it's uh it's it's a whole different thing it's something that's coming in the future for Arden scares the hell out of me honestly so um, she'll
1: be fine a deep breath pop up deep breath she'll be fine (laughs) i'm sure she. i'm living (laughs) through yeah you
0: certainly are so so let's talk about that for a second you're diagnosed at 10 um that's got to be is that MPH it was, and regular?
1: Background? Yes, regular and MPH. And and it was difficult in the aspect that, that I was super, super thin. Um, I think the, the interesting part about it is I went to my doctor in my doctor's office, and my doctor at the time had just had a quadruple bypass. So there was a new doc in the building that wanted to do an entire gamut of tests just to get up to speed on my medical history and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And one of those happened to be a, a urinalysis that that showed massive amounts of sugar. I think without that it might have been a few days before this was caught. I think that they were testing for stomach issues because I was having a lot of a lot of stomach issues at the time. Um I was down quite a bit of weight, but you know, it was flu season, so you know, was it just a matter of me fighting fighting off some bug? Um I think that this doctor probably was the first step in it and and I'm from a small town in North Plat- or in uh, western Nebraska, North Platte where we're far away from a big city. And so there were no endocrinologists in town at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a children's hospital here in Omaha where I live now um, that the, uh, the head of the endocrinology department of children's, he wasn't at the time, but would go out to the small communities in Western Nebraska every three months and just make his rounds and do tests and meet with patients and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was kind of just a cool situation that that this doctor was able to diagnose me. My parents scooped me up, brought me here to Omaha, got me the help that I needed. Um, But the help, quite frankly, was not, I mean, we were told at the time, she's going to have a decreased life. She's going to develop complications. The best you can expect is for her to be healthy until she's 40 years old. Um, at that point, then eyes are probably going to go, feet are probably going to go. Um, you can just do the best you can do. And the, the control of it regular in MPH was just one piece of it. The other piece of it was, this was, you know, I'm thankful now that we didn't have to do the urine strips, but the blood testing, I didn't even have a glucometer for the first five years that I was diagnosed. Okay. It was a test strip. So you got a huge, massive hanging block, drop of blood. You put it on the test strip and you waited a certain amount of time. I want to say it was a minute or two. Mm. And then you wipe the blood off and you waited another minute. And then you lined it up like a litmus test on the side of the bottle to guess at where your blood sugar was.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty old-timey.
1: Right. So I go from that to now, like I said, it's at the touch of a button and I can see every any second of any day where I'm at.
0: It's fascinating. It's magic, <laughs> uh, it, it, I, And it really would feel like that to you because it, what you just described from my perspective is probably so inaccurate and, 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 and such a struggle that, I mean, you must've just, every time you had to do it, you must've thought like, I don't want to do this because. Oh,
1: and there was, there was probably a good, uh, I'm going to say in college two years where I got rid of the glucose meter. It wasn't working. I didn't bother to get a new one. So I just didn't test yeah at all
0: (laughs) and that's an easy decision to make back then because the technology supports the decision to try not try what the doctor told your parents supports the decision to not try you're really just trying you're just trying to get the 40 like that's yeah it's it's really I mean what you're describing is such an incredible turnover of expectation you know more than anything else it's it's fascinating to think that that's only 30 years it's it's just such a short time in the in the world of technology and medical advancements. It just it's when it's your own life, you know. Much mm-hmm. like when we were talking about with with Isabel before, like when it's it's in the abstract, I can say, "Wow, thirty years! Look how quick that is." But in the in the in the focus of your life, it's your whole life.
1: It is. And I feel like I've just finally started living it, too. That's the thing. So, you know, back then it was all about exchanges and you ate a certain type of food, a certain amount of food at every meal, which also meant that at the drop of the hat, I couldn't go out and go for a run, that I had to make sure on the days that I had gym class that my my whole meal plan was planned out a certain way that I had to make sure I I took the gym class at a certain time of the day and my mom had to be involved and how embarrassing that was to, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, she's a saint. I I have no idea how she did it now that I've got kids of my own. It's, it's, it's hard. She loved
0: you. That's what she did. That's all, you know,
1: (laughs) but all, all of those things go to the point that there, there was no spontaneity. I, I'm finally at a place in my life where uh, there are diabetics out there that have decided that for, for their own health, that they're going to cut out carbs, right? And I can respect that, but I'm not willing to do that anymore.
0: (laughs) Well, you did it for a long time. I'm not willing
1: to not exercise. I'm not willing to not go whitewater rafting down a river like I did, you know, a few months back. Those things are important, and I want to be able to to do them and and live a quote-unquote normal life, even though I've got this thing that is always looming in the background. Let me ask you a question about back
0: then. I'm sorry. Let me ask you a question about back then when you're managing like that. With what you (laughs) know now, right? Can you, in hindsight, look at how you were managing then and think of a better way to do it, even with just that technology? Could you have done better? Like, Could you go back to that time and do better now?
1: Um, Not back in the mid-80s, I couldn't have. But even in the early 90s, I'm telling you what, I was so resistant to being on a pump of any way, shape, or form. I didn't want cords dangling off of me and being attached to a machine, um, even up until five years ago when there wasn't a choice and I found Omnipod. Um, even now I can't, can't imagine having tubes, but that was the best decision I ever made in my life. And I'm kicking myself that I didn't go on a pump sooner.
0: Okay. So all we talk about on this show is how insulin works, right? The timing and the amount being bold. And Arden does that with an Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. But how did that make her a one C what it is today? Hmm. Let me tell you, it's the little things that you don't think about. Temp basal increases, temp basal decreases, extended boluses, all of these things that right now you may think, that's scary, I don't know how to do that. But it's not, and if you listen to the podcast, we talk about how to do it. You'll be able to figure it out. But the ability to manipulate the insulin, to get it to be working when you need it to work, that's the whole key. The rest of it is ease of use. The rest of it is not having to disconnect for sports or bathing. If you want to know how Arden's A1C is lower, it's because when Arden gets in the shower every day for 20, 30 minutes, she's not disconnected from her insulin pump. We're still maintaining her blood sugar where we want it to be. When she goes to gym class, to her softball games, to her softball practices, all of those times, Arden's always connected because the Omnipod is this tiny little device that you wear. You don't have to take it off to run around or to do things. And then you use the features. And the features are how you manipulate your blood sugar. We're getting closer to finding out what our A1C is. You're going to find out in the Dexcom ad soon. But first, commit this to your memory. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Or click on the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. Because Omnipod would like to send you out a free, no obligation demo pod that you can actually try on and see for yourself.
1: That was the best decision I ever made in my life and I'm kicking myself that I didn't go on a pump sooner.
0: What stopped you from doing it when it was first available? Because I've talked to other people but I'm interested like what what when you said, "Oh, I can get an insulin pump." What was the thing that stopped you? What was your barrier to entry, I guess?
1: Just ha- being attached to a machine. To me that felt so artificial, number one. And number two, I wasn't comfortable with myself or with, like I said, the accepting of help. That was a thing that somebody could see and tell that I was different. Mm-hmm. Whereas I could sneak off to the bathroom and take a shot and nobody would even know that I'm a diabetic. Gotcha.
0: And so, so, so when somebody initially says, hey, if you get this thing, here's the stuff you can do with it and it might improve, you were like, that's not enough to sell me over the things that
1: that, exactly. that,
0: that are holding me back. So what eventually pushed you over the edge? What was your first pump?
1: Um, Omnipod and I've only been on it for about five years. And what honestly, what pushed me over the edge was, was the situation that I was in where I was having frequent overnight low blood sugars to the point of ambulances being called.
0: And your husband's not home. Like I have a friend who was an over the road truck driver for a long time and he's Mm -hmm. not home like all the time, but in any kind of real schedule either, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. During the week he's gone. And so he's home usually on the weekends and the two times that it happened, I've had a total, I've gone into convulsions four times in my life. The first was when I was a child and it was sun related. I got a horrible sunburn and didn't eat properly, wasn't feeling well. I think it was probably heat stroke and that did it. The other three times, the second time was alcohol related. I wasn't taking care of myself. I had drank too much the night before and that caused it. The last two times were just completely random that the insulin was, because I was MDI, there was no way to have a certain basal amount overnight that was different. I, ha- I need half the insulin at night than I do during the day with MDI. You just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so unless I'm eating a full meal directly before bed, it was sending me way low overnight. And thank goodness both times my husband was there. Otherwise, I can tell you I wouldn't be here today. And again, that scares me to death to think that it would be my kids that are finding me. Right.
0: No, I, I can't imagine what that would honestly, what that would do to a child long term.
1: Right. So it was necessity over anything else. And I was still resistant to it until after I got it. And I thought, why didn't I do this sooner? And of course, my (laughs) endocrinologist said, I've been telling you for years now. (laughs) But again, I think that I honestly think, and I'm not just saying this because it's, it's Omnipod, but this is the most amazing thing because I can still hide it. I don't have to carry this thing on me. It just, I throw it in my purse and away I go. When I need it, I pull it out. It's, the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I have,
0: and the, the steps—I I was just talking about this with somebody yesterday, honestly. But the steps to, from when you when you pull it out of the packaging till when it's on and it's functioning, it's mm-hmm. so quick. It's it's fascinating. Like I last last night. I, you know, Arden's Omnipod was like, hey, beep, beep, beep at 3 a.m. This pod's not going to work anymore. And I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. So I'm doing stuff in the evening. And then she went upstairs with Kelly to watch uh, Big Brother a Celebrity, which they seemed very excited about. And uh, yeah. they were doing that and, you know, snacking before bed and doing all this stuff. And everything was fine. Arden goes to bed. I stay up. I do some more stuff. I'm coming up and I'm tired at this point. It's like midnight. And it hit me. I was like, oh, oh gosh, I didn't, I didn't, we didn't change her pump. And, (laughs) and and I was like, it's okay, right? So I try to imagine I walked back downstairs, grabbed the pod, grabbed some insulin, walked back upstairs, pulled out the syringe, boom, pulled out the insulin, stuck it in the pod, walked into her room, shut her pod down, prime, pushed the button to prime the other one. While I did that, I walked into the bathroom, got like a warm washcloth. I lifted her shirt while she was sleeping, pulled off the old pod wiped her stomach down, let it dry, put the old pot on, push the button and left the whole thing might have taken 5 minutes. Yep. And she was sleeping. And and she, she as she felt me stick the other pot on, she was like she sat up and she was, "Hey, what's happening?" <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, uh, I said, "Hey, I forgot to put your pump on. Uh, we forgot to swap your pump tonight." And she goes, "Okay, okay, okay. Give me a second to get myself together." And I and she, <laughs> she was so funny cuz she was sound asleep. I was like, Arden, you can just lay back down." She's like, "Wait, wait, wait." okay. And then she laid back down um, <laughs> and I pushed the button. She's like, oh, and she, she likes to scratch around it after it goes in. She scratched, her eyes went closed. I put the blanket back over and she was asleep. It was. I'm
1: telling you crazy. what you're setting her, you, whoever her future husband is, you're <laughs> setting him up for some high standards.
0: <laughs> well, don't worry. My wife has beaten me into this situation. So I'm sure she'll be able to do the same thing to somebody. <laughs>
1: Like oh honey, just take care of it. If only I could tell my husband that. Can you just take care of it? I'm tired. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna lay here. You put my new pot on for me. Yeah. Uh, well, but so you know, but the you know most of the time she's completely involved in doing that. But what's I can do? Wake her up and I just I don't know. It's just right absolutely. Necessary. but the point is, is that that thing, the person who designed that, really thought about the functionality of it in your life, not just it giving you insulin. And I I mm-hmm. think it's I, to your point. It's, I think it's a, an absolute like, life changer and I, every day I'm grateful for it. So I'm glad you Absolutely. found it.
1: I did. And, and I'm fingers crossed. I'm just waiting for the, the continuous closed loop. Mm-hmm. I am praying that sometime within the next year or two, like promised, we're going to, we're going to be getting that. So, because yeah, I'll sign up. I, I I'll be a trial patient. I'll be a lab rat, whatever you want me to be. It's that important You're to right me. For if, it. if
0: yeah well i'll tell you what today's the 8th of february i just booked the coo of omnipod for the show on the 27th of february so that'll come out right then she's got three big announcements they want to talk about i don't even know what they are at the moment um but i'm gonna press her really hard because i know the the closed loop is still I think slated 2020 or something like that, but, right. but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get as much out of her as I can. So uh, <laughs> take advantage of our relationship here and pressure. Um, but, so
1: I'm sure you're feeling the same thing though. Like, wouldn't that just be amazing to eat? It's, it's hands off other than when you're eating, you I, know, just talk to each other, figure it out. <laughs> yeah,
0: I have to say that I, I can't imagine it's ever going to be like perfect in, in like, but it's going to be so much better. And, yeah. and the alleviation of just your need to think about things so constantly um is is what I look forward to the most like it's it's actually going to be on my daughter for two or three years before she goes to college um I'm excited about that I am you know like I said before Arden diagnosed at uh, she's you know 13 now she'll be 14 this summer so she's coming up on but um but I'm tired. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I really want it to stop or at least slow down a little bit so that I can just, I know I'm tired of taking my clothes off at the end of the night next to my bed and thinking, okay, I'm tired, but I can't go too far. Like I can't sleep too deeply. I can't like, I, I really do want that stuff to go away. But at the same time, I don't know if it will or not. Like, I I hope it will. I hope that I'm not so far indoctrinated into this that I can't let go of it. I think I can. Uh, And I'm excited to find out if I can.
1: (laughs) Being able to trust the technology, that right there helps to alleviate that. So, uh, you know, again, back to the the online community, there are still people that don't don't trust to bolus off of the decks. Mm. I've been doing that since the beginning. FDA approved or not, it's been that accurate for me. So why not use that information to my benefit? I'm I'll call myself a bad diabetic. I don't calibrate as much as I should, you know, but again, my numbers have been been right on. So so why not use that? Why not? You know, the whole no, no calibration piece of things that that may or may not be coming. Well, I don't know, I'm gonna I'm gonna push it to its limits until it proves me otherwise. So there's times when it's off, but for the most part, it works. So I can't Why agree. not do that? Why not use it?
0: Yeah, I can't agree more. I, I have the exact same experience, honestly, like there are times, you know, where it says one thing and you're another thing, but then you test and, and the longer you use it to, I think you get in that situation where you go, this is one of these moments I should test, you, you know, like my, maybe right. and, and there's plenty of times where I don't have that feeling and you people listen all the time while I'm recording the podcast and I'm giving Arden her, you know, her bolus for her lunch. And there are times where I think, you know, just test and check. And there's times when I'm like, no, this is okay. Like, you know, I can tell. And, sure, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's experience. And
1: can she feel her, her levels? Can she feel her numbers?
0: Yeah. She knows. Does she
1: know where she's at without looking?
0: She knows when she's falling. Um, mm-hmm. She can feel falling and she knows low. I would say she starts feeling her low around 65, Um, And at 55, she starts talking about it a little more um, animatedly. Like at 65, I think you could still talk her and just kind of lounging around and being like, eh, maybe this will still be okay. But at 55, she gets up and starts talking about, you know, food or something like that. Um, Right. It's, um, but high is, uh, she hasn't been high in so long that I don't know. I know she gets pretty crappy feeling when it pops up, but we are at this point, I would say that a 24-hour graph for us pretty consistently looks like there are two spikes in 24 hours And those spikes when I call them spikes, they maybe go to 180 and they get back pretty quick um, they're usually because of Of life like she comes home from school or something happens Not everybody's paying as close of attention and maybe the pre-bolus on an after-school snack doesn't work the same or something like that um, and I would say that she's under 70 probably twice a day, not usually for, um, you know, any length of time. Sure. And I'd say that once a week, four times a month, she gets into that 55 spot where, it doesn't feel like you can get out of it, you know, where you, you know, you're 55 mm-hmm. and you eat something and then you wait and you're 55. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. you
1: turn And your, you know, you're going to pay for it later, then, the more that you eat, <laughs> well,
0: you turn on the, you turn off the insulin and you're 55. And then, you know, like an hour later, you're 62. And you're like, should I turn the insulin back on here? Like that probably happens a handful of times a month. Um, but you know, it's nothing, it's nothing devastating. It's, uh, I think it's just the, I think it's the expectation. I think if I kept Arden's blood sugar at 200 all the time, we'd still hit those "Hey, it's 55 and doesn't want to go back up" situations. Uh, right. And probably more frequently. I think she'd be low more frequently because I'd see those big numbers, and you know, all of a sudden it's a bunch of insulin, and really you're just bolusing the blood sugar. There's no food in your system or something like that. And yep. Once that blood sugar comes down, that insulin's still there. You're, that's when you get in
1: trouble. Well, I think the thing that really, really helped me, and like I said, listening to your podcast did that, is that the whole bold with insulin thing means less to me about about not being scared of how much you're taking and more just about, like you, you talk about those little bumps and nudges, that I just brought my high alert down to 30. Very soon, I'm going to be bringing it down to 20 because I'm feeling one, sorry, 130, yep. 130. I'm going to be bringing it down to 120. I knew what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because at 140, I feel terrible. Okay. And that's not normal for me just because my blood sugars were high for so long that a 200 was nothing to scoff at. Now 200, I'm nauseous and sweaty and thirsty. And that's, you know, 140. I'm like that. I'm starting to feel a little unwell. Yeah, well, do. that's that's a normal range. I'm I'm reacting normally to a 140 blood sugar.
0: Yeah, I, I think I can't tell you like you're, you're talking about that. It sounds horrible. And I'm like, oh, good for you, because it it really <laughs> you know it's uh, Arden's Arden's Dexcom alerts at 130. My Follow app alerts at 120. And it's just so that you can do something. It's right. Not, you know, it's not like I don't you know for blood sugar is 120. I'm not like oh my god, can you believe it? But it's it kind of snaps you back into the situation you're like, hey, is this just a 120 that drifted up and the arrow is still stable or is this a diagonal up arrow or a straight up arrow? like is she unexpectedly jumping up because then you can make these like you said bumps and nudges to stop it and you don't get into a situation where you're sending yourself all this insulin to to fix a, a high later and that's what gets you on the roller coaster is the right, you know, is that?
1: And similarly, I've got my low alert set to 80, just because if I'm 80, I need to at least be looking at it to see what direction the arrow pointing. If I'm 80 going up, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. If I'm 80 double arrow down, well, okay, we probably need to do something now rather than I'd waiting like until I get to that. 70.
0: Yeah, 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 I'd like to know that. We, we're at 70, but I, I agree with you. I think 80 is a, a very legitimate low blood sugar uh, threshold for your Dexcom. It's completely real. Um, Arden doesn't fall fast. Uh, almost ever, and I—I I have to be honest. I attribute that to the Apidra, the insulin. Uh, oh, okay. Because she was on Novolog before, uh, before Apidra. Novolog, I would see double arrows up and double arrows down all the time. Single arrows up, single arrows down all the time. I never, ever, uh, you know, not never, but completely infrequently, do we see a narrow straight down that we don't cause on purpose. And so That's great. Yeah, and that I really do you know I I, I really believe that it's the the pedra that that just works really well for Arden. It might it might suck for you, you know, but it <laughs> it works great for her.
1: Well, I think that the only thing that with all of these technologies that have sucked the most is is the insurance and the hoops we have to jump through even just to get them. Um, you know, we're blessed to be at a, at a point in our lives that, that honestly, if insurance decided they wanted to stop covering them, I would still be on them anyway. Um, you know, and I'm lucky to feel that way, but you shouldn't have to have a decent job to be able to afford the technologies or to get it covered by insurance just because the insurance decide, you know, I'm, I'm a ways away from retirement, but I'm happy to see finally that, that Medicare is saying that Dexcom is. Is a legitimate thing,
0: right? Omnipod too. <laughs> they just, um, they just, they just finally figured out that Omnipod is something they should be covering too. So, right. But you know, you just said something that made me think about something we were talking about earlier. Let's see if I can focus my thoughts enough to to get it out. Dancing for Diabetes' 18th annual show is coming up, and you can audition online virtually. Go to dancingthenumberfourdiabetes dot com forward slash show. You just said like everyone should have this stuff because. Back when you were 10, a doctor was telling you, this is, this is going to basically suck. It's going to be inexact. It's going to cause you medical problems, blah, blah, blah. There are still people today who are more or less still in that situation. It's better because analog insulin and, you know, and, and meters are better and things like that. But still, if you can't afford or if someone won't allow you to have a CGM or a pump, you really still are. You're just in a – you're in the – Modern version of this sucks if you if you want that stuff and can't get it for financial reasons Absolutely Yeah, and insurance companies anybody who's controlling the purse strings of our life has to at some point They have to see that this stuff isn't It's not a it's not a nice to have you know, what I mean like it's and right that's, that's how they treat it They treat it like it's a nice to have
1: And it it scares me that you can only get a certain number of supplies too. You ask a diabetic that's on any of these supplies, if they've got, got a stash of them. And I guarantee you they do just because it's our lifeline. You know, you can't go without. So waiting for the insurance company to approve something, you know, you've got to have a stash to back you up because you can't go without. It's Terrifying.
0: Everybody's got a drawer or a corner of a closet or something, and or, yep. or you know, they, you, you come up eligible again for stuff you don't need, and you buy it anyway. And it's just, it's silly to be perfectly honest. Like, why is it like that? Like, why can't it just be I need it when I need it, and you know, don't fight me about it. Uh, right. Yeah. Some of the worst, some of the worst arguments I've ever had are genuinely on the phone with an insurance company since my daughters had diabetes. It really is. It is fascinating to feel someone across the phone from you just fighting so hard to, to make your life worse. It's it's, right. It's a fascinating, odd conversation to be in. Like, why are you doing this? Like, I paid my bill, and when I stop and look, at how much we pay for insurance, it is a massive amount of money every year, and you know, and still they're like, no, you can't have that. I'm like, and you find yourself thinking, it's only, it's only, it's only eight hundred dollars. I gave you multiple multiple thousands of dollars already this year like like
1: exactly like,
0: and you feel good about that there are some people who have the balls uh to um to just kind of insure themselves and say i know nothing catastrophic's going to happen and if i just buy all the things i need this year it'll be less than insurance i do not have the nerve to be the person to do that but i do know some people that do and
1: uh, well, we're, we're kind of straddling a line right now where uh, our company provides a high deductible plan. So the first eight months of the year, we're out of pocket for everything. And, you know, I mentioned both of my kids have ADHD and so their medications, what works for them to be able to function in society is really trial and error as well. Kind of like this whole diabetes thing that it's, it's, you got to try and figure out what's right for you. But because of that... We're trying out different medicines to see how they work that are three, dollars $500 a pop out of pocket wow. because it's the high deductible plan. Same thing with mine. We pay thousands of dollars every single month just in prescriptions. So it's at that point in time where you look at, you know, my husband and I were talking. It's like, well, what would happen if we just stopped paying the insurance and went out of pocket for everything? Would we really be paying that much more or would it be about the same, you know? and
0: It's, it's just such a risk. Terrible. Scary and scary. Um, my gosh. Oh, both your kids have ADHD.
1: They do. My house is really is a circus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, but it's, it's kind of interesting. So, so medical aside, their medicine ties into their behavior and they're very cognizant of that. Mm. Um, with the Dexcom, I'm realizing how much blood sugar ties into my behavior. And there was a point in time where I was dropping very drastically, not paying attention to my phone, having an argument with my children about them picking something up or cleaning something or not listening to mom, whatever the case may be. And I totally overreacted and both kids are looking at me like mom's crazy. She's absolutely gone insane. And I don't have someone other adult in the house to back me up to say, Hey, do you think maybe something else is going on here? And after the fact, I thought, oh, this is terrible. I feel like an awful person because this was a, something medical that was happening and my kids didn't understand it. Just right. the same way that sometimes something medical is happening in their brain yeah. right. and they're not understanding their behavior. So we've got a deal now where at any point in time, if I'm acting in a way that's different than what they would expect me to act, they can ask at any point in time without me saying no what my blood sugar is and I can hand them my phone and they're able to check. So they're kind of a little lifeline too that I want them to be comfortable enough to know that no mom's mad because I did something wrong not because her blood sugar's dropping.
0: <laughs> so you have the reverse thing that when people say uh, uh to their kids if uh if I check your blood sugar and you're not low you're in trouble. And uh, yeah. and, you, and you have the reverse where they can say to you, "Hey, listen, uh let's call a timeout, check your blood sugar and you can say, look, if my blood sugar is okay,
1: <laughs> you're in trouble." <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs>
0: Well, that's right. Really, you know what? That is a really open uh, and thoughtful way to handle that. I um, You should be applauded for that. That's really something. Because when you first started talking about it, my gut reaction was, gosh, don't give your kids that kind of control over you. But then as you explained it, I thought, no, she's right. She's 100% right. Like, this is, it, it is absolutely, there are so many small balances going on in the human body constantly in your brain and, you know, with your insulin, like all that Mm -hmm. stuff. when When you get a little bit one way or the other, I mean, I just know a person who doesn't have diabetes, they just get low blood sugar sometimes. Right. And they grew up, this person grew up their whole life with people just calling her nasty all the time. Like, oh, she's such a nasty girl. Like, you know, that, and think of how unfair that is to her. her they,
1: they they call it hangry, right? <laughs> that normal people get hangry. Well, right. that's blood sugar related. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Oh, exactly. Absolutely. I, I say to my wife sometimes, I'm like, hey, you should eat something. Like she gets like a little like kind of far away look in her face or something. And and uh, we have tested her blood sugar in the past. And saw that she's lower when that happens. So my son comes home from school. Um, when he's hungry, he's a jerk. Like yeah. I, I don't know another way to. But he's a baseball player, and when at the at the end of a game, I've learned over the years I don't even talk to him till he's eaten something. Like <laughs> just, just
1: throw some food at him. <laughs> like,
0: literally, like a lion coming after you. Like oh, we'll throw a steak on the ground, and like like you know by the time it's done, it won't want to kill me anymore. Like it really is. It it's fascinating. Like how like he just exerts everything while he's out there. Um, he doesn't like drinks with sugar in them, so it, his sports drinks, you know, are water or something that doesn't have carbs in it usually and so he'll do things like eat bananas while he's playing or stuff like that but sometimes it just doesn't work out and after the game he's just like i look at him and my, my wife used to text how'd the game go and i'm like i don't know i can't She's like ask cole i'm like oh not not yet
1: <laughs> don't poke the bear
0: we we joke all the time about Arden. like don't look her right in the eyes <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny that that's another thing that, that, so my husband is very in tune with my blood sugars as well. And from, from my standpoint, I don't know what it is that he's seeing, but it always amazes me too, when he looks at me out of the blue and I think I'm sounding perfectly rational and think that I'm doing everything, you know, completely normal. And he says to me, are you low? What's going on? Like, how did you know? It's like, I don't know. There's just some weird look in your eye or something. That...
0: Well, and also he had to learn okay. that for his own personal safety. So that's, oh, that's a good motive. <laughs>
1: good...
0: You guys wouldn't even be married anymore if you didn't figure that out.
1: <laughs> Very true.
0: <laughs> so back in the Omnipod ad, we talked about manipulating insulin with the Omnipod tubal insulin pump. But how do we make the decisions about when to manipulate the insulin, when to add more, to subtract more, to be more aggressive, less aggressive? How do we know when to be bold? Well, those decisions are made with the data that comes back from the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. And for all of you who are wondering, well, can we trust it? I don't know. Dosing. I know the FDA says it's okay, but I don't know what to do. Well, we do. Of course, your results may vary. But I make Arden's insulin decisions based on the information that I get back from the Dexcom G6. You can go to Dexcom.com forward slash or click on the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com to find out more about the Dexcom. And how it helped us get Arden's A1C in a span of time when she was becoming a lady and we were using the G6 for the first time. That's what's been going on for the past couple of months. And yet her A1C when it was tested yesterday at her endocrinologist office was 5.4. In this last week, Arden has had Dunkin' Donuts, Apple Jacks, and Chinese food, I kid you not. 5.4. The Dexcom G6 gives you the information. The Omnipod makes it possible for you to manipulate your insulin the way you want and to wear it constantly without having to take it off disconnect for showering or bathing or anything like that. Then the rest is being bold with insulin. 5.4. If I say it a couple more times, I'm gonna start crying. My daughter eats like a regular person. She uses the Omnipod and the Dexcom, and her A1C is 5.4, with no significant lows. I don't think my A1C is 5.4. I can see it on Arden. I can see it on the people, or I'm sure they can see on me when I'm, you know, there are times where my wife will just look at me and go, how about if you just go to sleep? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, no, I'm good. And she's like, Ah, you're you're not good. <laughs> trust me. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, it's it's going too long. Take a nap. Um and then you go like I do. Sometimes I'll go lay down and I'll think, hi this is ridiculous. And then, you know, three hours later I'm like, uh, uh like on the sofa, not sure what time it is, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good to have people around you that uh that understand your situation, have your back. And it's cool that you put your kids in that situation because they're gonna feel comfortable. Moving forward, putting someone else in that situation for them,
1: and I think, I'm hoping so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless we just, need each other. <laughs> well, that's certainly true in the in the large scale and in a family in a family way, just as well. Okay, so we're uh, we're doing good here. We got about ten more minutes left, well, fifteen more minutes left. Uh, have we not spoken about anything yet that you were really interested in talking about?
1: Um, I, like I said, the, the the one thing that that I just wanted to get across, you know, I told you I didn't want to come off as being a curmudgeon the whole back in my day we right. used to have to blah 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 stuff but it's just that we are on the edge of something that is I've heard it over and over again that that a cure's coming a cure's coming and some people are very bad it's never happening I have never in my life felt more sure that in my lifetime it's possible that I would not have to be burdened with this disease anymore than right now um you know that the 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 transplants that are happening where they're trying to implant islet cells was one thing but this 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 idea that there's already a cure out there it's just being approved through the FDA from the um what am i thinking of the the immunization that trial that's going on
0: I might not know about that one is that uh tell me a little bit about it if you know
1: where i want to say it's a a tuberculosis immunization that they have found has helped with the immune system. And
0: is that, um, God, she was on the podcast. She was. I'm trying to remember her name as well. I've done too many of these podcasts. Now I just realized, (laughs) um, I'll think of it in a minute, but I think, so here's what I, here's what I think. I think your hopefulness, comes from how long you've been in it and the progress that you're seeing. Like, you can feel hopeful about it because of I that. I can. Yeah, and that's, uh, maybe... And my
1: m- life's been more normal than ever, too. That's the thing, is I don't have to to worry about it every second of every day just because of the technology that's out there. Right. Closed loop is one thing. Cure is another thing. What does cure mean? Well, it might not mean that my pancreas is ever going to be normal. Right. But cure, to me, just means that I don't have to think about it, that I don't have to be burdened with it that I don't have to keep myself from eating the cake in the break room that I don't have to you know worry about passing out in the middle of the street just walking back and forth you know I it 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 doesn't
0: necessarily mean like your pancreas magically works again it just it it's an upgrade and a serious life upgrade for you right absolutely so it means I don't have to be involved (laughs) so were you talking about Denise Faustman Yes. Dr. Fessler. Okay. So the really interesting thing I found about her interview, and if you go back and listen to it again, um, I don't think she thinks that's what's going to happen. I think that's what, so it's hard for me to put into words exactly, but I, um, I'm sorry, I'm telling Arden she should drink the rest of it. She's having a little bit of juice and she's like, can I just drink the rest of it so I don't have to hold on to it? <laughs> I, <laughs> I told her, I'm like, can you drink half a juice? And she's like, okay. And then just now, she's like, can I just get the rest of it so I don't have to let so it doesn't have to sit here? I was like, sure. Let's. You
1: have got the most compliant daughter in the world. I just have to tell you, you need to count your blessings right there. You think
0: so? I don't know.
1: No. Yeah, I would be texting my son, and he would not answer me for an hour. And by that point, I'd be standing outside the door of the school, and I, I don't know. No,
0: she, <laughs> she's trained like Pavlov's dog. If she doesn't answer, if she doesn't answer, <laughs> if she, doesn't answer if she doesn't answer. I sent that horrible find your iPhone tone and that uh that snapped her right into she's she realized it was better to answer her text than to have that happen but i think that if i'm remembering correctly my expectation for what dr Faustman was saying was based on what the community thought of her her work but she okay. nev- she never really said what people say about her like she's not looking at it like a cure and it was interesting like go back and listen to it again it it was just, okay. it was very interesting but I agree with you. I agree that there is so much stuff going on. Any number of them would be amazing. I always think like the, you know, like you were just talking about the, um, the islet cell implantation, that's, that'd be amazing. Um, you know, like just to go to your doctor every couple of years and have another patch full of cells put under your skin. Okay. I take that, you know, um, a closed loop system that just keeps you from having to worry all the time. I'll take that. I'll take anything that's better, you know, and but what i heard from you that was most exciting was that you were just hopeful after a long I am. a long period of not being able to feel that way i think that might be more important than if any of it actually comes to fruition like as crazy as that might sound
1: because life already is better
0: right right yeah yeah and and that's the that was the part i never understood when the jdrf made their kind of switch from like we're going to cure this which if you're paying attention, you had to know it was like, you know, part of their marketing plan. Don't worry. We're sure. gonna, right. And, and to like, we're going to help you live better and we're going to look for improvements and help fund improvements. People are like boo cure. And I'm like, are you not paying attention? Nobody was curing it. It wasn't happening. Like, like, you know, like it's good to have more good. Y- y- don't, don't turn your nose up at more good. Uh, I, I hope I don't end up calling the episode more good. Cause that's totally <laughs> incorrect. I could, you never know what I'm going to do. I edit them later, like, and I'm always doing it at night and I'm like completely goofy. So if you look back at the the titles, my wife's like, should the titles not have something to do with the episode? I'm like, that ah, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I'm just, it, I was just really elated to hear you talk about it just now. It's really, it's uplifting to hear how uplifted you are.
1: Well, this thing is not easy. It, it's not. And, and I mentioned at the beginning that Arden's going to go through times where she just doesn't want to do it anymore. You've had times like that too, where you're like, I just don't, I don't have the physical energy to be able to focus one more second on this thing called living. Yeah. I just, I, I can't. And that sounds terrible, but you're going to go through phases like that because it's such a toll more so than any other disease on the planet where you've got a team of doctors standing behind you, making the decisions that we make second by second, day by day that we have to. And, and because of that, I don't, I don't know. It's life is good right now. It really is. Well,
0: that just made me feel like what you just said just made me feel like the real, the real bonus to like closed loop, for example, might be just the, if if you can lessen that feeling, then maybe it takes longer to get to the, uh, forget it. Or maybe you never get to the, uh, forget it. Maybe it's tolerable enough that the burnout isn't as prevalent. Um, Right. That'd be interesting. I'm actually going to interview somebody in like a week who uh, is going to talk about burnout and um, and some of the kind of devastating things that happen to them when they when they stop paying attention to their blood sugar. Um, I I don't. Hopefully, that's interesting and not. uh, No, I I think it's important
1: to talk about. Yeah.
0: Now I'm excited for it. Wow. So you were, may I say something at the beginning you said, and I might have to leave it in so that it makes sense here. You said how nervous you were at the beginning. You have not once. Now I tried to talk at the beginning to make you more comfortable. Like I kind of filibustered for a second to give you time to relax, but you've not come off as nervous once during this. Do you feel better?
1: Oh, good. I do feel a little bit better. Sometimes you can't shut me up. That's how my nerves manifest themselves. So.
0: (laughs) Well, listen, perfect. Because we're recording you talking.
1: <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. <laughs>
0: Absolutely is.
1: Well, I love your show. Whatever it is, the people you're having on, keep on doing it because it, it, like I said, it's going to continue to give me hope and it gives me the skills that I need just to keep on going on. So yeah. there's other people out there going through it too. And I feel like, you know, where I'm coming from.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I really do. It's my intention um, to do exactly that. And I'm happy to see it's I, mean, I like I said, uh, going all the way back to the beginning, to talk to Haley Meehan about her daughter who just had this horrible thing happen to her and to still hear her talking about this. Like, I know this is the right thing to do. Um, I just, it gives me a lot of hope for everybody listening and for myself, honestly, with my daughter, I really appreciate you taking the time and doing this. Thank you so very much.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: A sincere thank you to Dexcom and Omnipod for everything that you've brought to my daughter's life. I just, I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you also to Dancing for Diabetes. That's dancing4diabetes.com for helping sponsor the show. You can check out Dexcom at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Omnipod at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dancing for Diabetes, I just said that one. You can always click on the links in the show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com if you can't remember them. Hey, one last thing, and this is kind of disconnected, but yesterday I recorded, yesterday before Arden's endo appointment, yesterday was a busy day, I recorded an hour's worth of interview time for the BBC. They asked me a bunch of parenting questions, um, which was interesting. I had to go to a studio and record and everything, and that'll be out in September sometime. If it turns out good, I'll send you a link. I don't know what they're going to do with it. You know what, I'm a little distracted today, I'm so sorry. Um, I forgot to say, Melinda was amazing on the episode. Thank you so much Melinda for coming on. I'm distracted today because my son is leaving for college for the first time tomorrow and I'm, uh, well, I'm trying not to cry. So I'm just gonna get this episode up on the internet for you and you guys can download it and listen and I will pack a car and try not to sob. Okay, on that note, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate so much that you spend an hour every week with me. I hope this podcast has been valuable for
1: you. I love doing it, and I don't know. I'm all emotional today, so ignore all this.